What's good? We back with another episode of the regular podcast, man. It's your boy. It's your man. It's your guy. It's your friend. Your confidant. Your brother in arms. Your brother. Kilo Gramington. It's Kilo, man. I came back to give y'all another episode because I, <clears throat> I haven't done one in a few weeks. I got my water on deck. This is going to be a brief one. I think I say that every time I'm by myself, and they might not always be as brief as I would like, but this will be a quick one, man. How y'all doing? You know, uh, some of you might know I might be trying to push this podcast, this specific episode, while not being on the social media platform. So hopefully y'all help me out and share it as much as y'all can, because I'm not really using it, the joints like that. I usually use Facebook to share it to a lot of people, and... uh Twitter, but I don't tag people on Twitter. I don't like mention people and show my, my podcast. I just post it on my page and pin it. Facebook is where I normally get um, the most interaction with the podcast. So hopefully y'all share it for me. I'm just going to put it out there, man, and let the universe do what it wants with it. But I, I felt like getting into a, a couple things real quick. It's not really... Only thing I want to talk about that's in the news right now is something I just read, man, that I think is unfortunate. You know, DMX just got sentenced to one year in prison for, they say, tax fraud. I don't know if that means, I mean, normally I guess they say tax evasion. So if they say tax fraud, that means he was lying about the income he was making. Um. Well, see, the the headline says, uh, rapper DMX sentenced to one year in prison for tax fraud. Then if you read the first sentence, rapper, artist, actor DMX was sentenced to one year in prison on Wednesday after he pleaded guilty in a federal case accusing him of dodging $1.7 in taxes. See what I'm saying? How they play with the headlines because dodging taxes and tax fraud is two different things. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to read the whole case right now while I'm on, you know, on the joint but you know they keep on using fraud and evading uh dodging interchangeably when it's not the same thing in this article this is a reuters article i think that's how you pronounce it reuters r-e-u-t-e-r-s they're a news organization online i don't know if they ever had print but <clears throat> yeah reuters man they, they you know but it's unfortunate you know i hate to see people locked up for stupid stuff man especially just like Financial crimes, I don't think need definitely because I don't think anybody needs to be put in a cage, but especially financial crimes like I really don't like it. You know, things like selling drugs or some type of money laundering or tax evasion and all that. Like to me, it doesn't need to be in a cage thing. I can understand more like because being in a cage is like mental slavery is economic slavery and it's physical slavery. Right. I would be much more comfortable with just the economic slavery. That sounds a little bit strange. Right. But meaning you you don't go get in a cage, but you go to work every day. But the majority of your money goes towards paying whatever financial crime you committed. Let's just say you like DMX would be kind of hard because one point seven million is a lot. But I still wouldn't put him in a cage for that. It's a that's. 1.7 million is them extorting. That's tax money. That means like, yo, you didn't give us our piece. So like we about to lock you up for night. You don't realize how much like thug the, the American government is based on thug shit. All stuff that they lock black people in the streets up for the American government does this shit all the time. When the mafia extorts people, it's called extortion. When the government extorts people, it's called taxes. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, of course, everybody knows that already. But I'm just saying they lock people, they put people in, in cages. They physically enslave people because of financial crimes. I don't think it's right. If you if you know, if you DMX, you know. So that means f- from uh, when he starts working. Every time you do a job, every time you do a show or anytime you do anything, a piece of that should come out and go directly to his tax payment. They garnish wages all the time. They know how to do it. It's, they have systems set up to guard, to take money from people's checks. You know, they could, they could get on the same page with banks. If this person has a bank account, any money that goes into it, a part of it needs to come to us. 
That's not that hard to do. They just they so it's not even about money. A lot of people think they lock people up for money. They don't just lock black people up for money because they can make more money off you if they just put you on them if they if they put you in a job and just took your money, took part of your money at least. Like not not um you know, they they have ways to do it. They do it in other cases, other situations, just not with this. But they they want to lock you up and spend money and get budgets and all this stuff. But they really, the whole idea is to take you away from your family. It's to inconvenience your entire community. That's why they want to put you in a cage. That's why the, the system of uh, correction or penitentiary, the, the penitentiary idea, hasn't changed since the early 1900s. It's been the same thing. You get in trouble, you go to prison. They haven't come up with a new correctional idea yet. And it's been this long and it, it makes no sense. So I think that it's not about money because if they wanted money, they will make you work and take your money. There's no reason to still be having people in cages. Whatever, man. It's unfortunate, man. DMX had to deal with that. I don't like to see stuff like that. Uh, I don't like to see people go to prison, period. I don't care who it is, what they did. You know what I mean? There's, I think there's alternatives to that. If it's that serious... Give the person to the family of the victim and let them do what they want with it. But prison, no, I, I'm not with it. Uh, that's the only thing. Did y'all did see? Y'all probably don't care, but did y'all did y'all watch that Stormy Daniels joint that was in the, um on 60 Minutes? I thought that was interesting, man. That was that was real interesting. She pretty much expo like let it be known that Donald Trump's wife is just a, a hired. She's a hired wife because she said back like 10 years ago, Donald Trump, she asked Donald Trump about like his wife. And he he was like, nah, it's cool. She We don't even sleep in the same room. So they've been like not really together. They just was in the crib together. I just thought it was interesting, man. You know, the president chick coming up. I don't really know how it's going to hurt him. So I guess see, they just felt like giving that lady a platform so she could talk. But hey, it was interesting. I watched. I don't even watch 60 Minutes. and I watched that one. That was a that was an interesting one to me. Other than that, you know, I just want to get into a couple of topics with y'all. You know, a couple of brief things. I was reading the Oprah magazine from uh, it's called yeah the Oprah magazine from uh, what's this March, the March issue, and it's an article in here, man. I just felt like you know I would drop it on y'all ears, real real briefly, because it's good information. I'm not gonna read the article, but I'll just tell you what it's about. It's talking about how our cell phones are destroying our short-term memory why is our cell phone destroying our short-term memory pretty much your phone makes it so that you feel like you can rely on it instead of relying on your own brain right that makes sense right because it's like if you if you you might know math but if you have a calculator you're less likely to think about solving a problem yourself and just go straight to that calculator. So something as simple as what's 30 was 39 plus 14. You might just go to the calculator first if you have the calculator in your hand. It's the same thing with a cell phone because we all remember the older days before everybody was cell phoned up. When you had to remember a phone number, you had like there was not even I just remember being younger and we didn't even think about like damn I'm not going to be able to remember that number. You just knew the phone numbers and you knew everybody's phone number every single person that you knew you knew their phone number especially coming like in i don't know about like generations before me maybe generations before me they probably all didn't even have phones in their house but in growing up in my generation every single household had a cell had a phone a house phone every house and then people started getting cell phones so we will remember their house phone number and cell phone number you remember multiple numbers for, for people like, and it was not even, a, you didn't even think about it like that. Somebody would tell you a phone number and you just remember it. I know if, if I got some young listeners, they probably thinking like, man, ain't no way. Y'all ain't, isn't it? Like, really, you ain't even think about it. You just phone, you heard it or you saw it and you just knew it. And like, because I guess it's because if you are local, if you local, I guess you really only need to know the last four numbers because the, the the area code 
was every you know everybody knew the area code and then the the first three it kind of based like in Youngstown you know the north side was like 743 744 747 and uh 746 the, the east side was 746 also the east side had a couple other numbers south side was like 788 781 783 you know what I mean the west side I ain't talked to nobody on west like that so I don't know their numbers but I'm just saying it was it, it, you had no problem remembering a 10 digit string of numbers nowadays we have cell phones and cell phones mess up your memory because it messes with your short-term memory because of the reliability of a cell phone makes you not even care to rely on your own brain. So what they say here, what they suggest is to hide your device from yourself, right? They suggest that you go offline, meaning turn your phone on do not disturb. I, I put my phone on airplane mode sometimes, you know, right now I just disconnected from social medias, but sometimes I put my phone on airplane mode just, you know, for whatever reason, I just do it sometimes. This thing suggests that you should hang out with more friends, like in real life. Supposedly, they did a study where the people who hang out with, with friends physically remember things better than people who only talk to their friends online. It's very interesting stuff. Also, they say it helps you remember things better when you have to pick up a pen and write them down as opposed to typing it in your phone. I guess... um. The act of actually writing something down makes it stick in your mind more because uh, it takes more work to write than it does to type. Typing is like easy. You almost could you could type something without even thinking about it. You could type it and not even remember that you typed it. But if you write it down, you, you had to take the act of finding a pen, finding a paper and you have to write. You know, handwriting is even though it's second nature. Once you learn it, it still takes more work to do than it does to type. So writing things down helps with the uh, memory banning devices from meeting. So when you meet up with people, you know, put the phones away. And that's not just meeting when you go on dates, everything like that. When you, when you link up any type of link, don't look at your phone. I know a lot of people have a hard time with that now because everybody's socially awkward. People haven't been around each other for a long time. The only people we really are around are the people that live immediately in our house and the people we work with. So when it's time to be in a social setting around a lot of different people, some of y'all can't handle it. So you're constantly looking at your phone. And most of y'all, I watch people a lot. Most of y'all aren't looking at anything. It's just like a reflex. You just look at your phone, you turn it on, and you, it's almost like you just look at the time. But you really don't look at the time. You just look at your phone with the light on it. You just turn the light on and you just look at your phone. You might swipe a couple times. You might tap the common tap the common app that you go to, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or Snapchat or Instagram. You might just type it, tap it, swipe or scroll, and then you close it. You didn't even look at anything. You don't even remember what you looked at, and you don't even realize that you're doing it. The only reason I that's not in this article. I just watch people. I see them do it all the time. Normally, it's because they like can't interact, having a hard time interacting. That difficulty that people have interacting I, I guess they're saying it's kind of tied to people having a hard time remembering things short term right and when they say short term memory it's like you know you have chemicals that help you lock things in your brain you lock things in your brain and then once your brain figures out this is important then it'll store it in long term memory it won't store it in long term memory if you if you don't give any cognizant uh, energy to that thing ever. If it's all in your phone, your brain thinks none of this is important. So it's going to forget everything. You understand? Because you haven't given it any energy. Your brain just thinks, okay, that's insignificant. Gets rid of it. Uh, another thing is saying, it says put your phone to bed, but I mean, what does that mean? Oh, I guess turning it off. Just turn the phone completely off. While you sleep, you know, I guess that's a good idea. I don't do that because I use it for my um, I use it for my alarm. So I'm not I'm not doing that. But hey, that's that's just some stuff I, I wanted to let y'all know. If you're my friend on Facebook, you probably seen heard me talk about that before. Your phone affects your brain function, man, especially when you're trying to go to sleep. If you look at your phone like right before bed. I mean, it's normal. Everybody does it. So we probably don't notice the difference, but it's definitely a big difference when you look at your phone right before bed versus 
if you put it down an hour or three hours or whatever, however long before bed, you just, you know, do go through the rest of your day not being on the phone, doing other things. I think looking at a phone is even more um, harmful than looking at a computer screen or a larger screen TV because the phone is so much energy concentrated into that light right there, especially with those iPhones, man. Those people with iPhones, those lights are so bright, man. It's crazy. All right. Now, that's that's one thing I just wanted to talk to y'all about. I have this other thing that I wanted to talk about, and it was mainly because of I wanted I wanted my black people to start uh, get like we we come up we have ideas all the time, but I want I want us to start getting real heavy on the creative innovation wave. You understand? I think I told I think I talked about this with y'all before, and I yeah I did a few podcasts ago, where black people we have this like stigma that black people don't support other black people and i said that's a lie we just do the same stuff too much everybody want to start the same business everybody's doing the same thing if this person got a hair thing and it's working somebody else or 10 more people in the same area city like community are about to start the same business and say you know what if they doing it i could do it why not that look like easy money and now all of us are competing with each other in like three industries, hair, food, and clothing. That's all we're doing right now. Hair, food, clothing, hair, food, clothing. That's all you see. Whether it be uh, somebody doing plates at their house and they sell them on Friday, then they see that working and everybody want to do it. Or if somebody is like selling bundles, as they say, you selling bundles, then everybody see that that's working. Then like 20, 20 people want to start doing that. If they selling vibrators, then everybody want to sell vibrators. If they if they see somebody with a clothing company, then everybody want to not everybody. But, you know, that's a lot of the business minded people. They want to say, let me do what's working for somebody else. I'll compete with them. I think I could do it better than them. And it's all a, it's all based around the, the black fight with each other. We just want to do stuff to look better than another black person. We don't care about being the best. We just want to say, I'm the first black person to do this. I'm the only black person with this. I'm the best black person at this. That only that works. We do that with everything except sports. In sports, we actually want to be the best in the world because we are the best in the world. That's the only time we do it. But with everything else, you just want to compete with the people that live next to you. And that's not working. It's never going to work. So I said, I'm read. you know, I, I get the, um, this magazine is called Wired. And it's a tech magazine. And I'm like, yo, my, my, my people need to hear. And especially the people, if y'all, if y'all um, like run youth organizations or if you got like some type of, you know, some type of organization where you help, where you work with the kids, you got to get it, excuse me, get it in their mind. We need creative innovation. So let me tell you about this thing that I'm reading in here, that I read about in here. These, these people... And I'll be vague with it because it, it doesn't need to be very detailed. These people came up with an idea, not just an idea. They actually put it into production and they have some built and functioning. These panels that you you put on your house. Right. And the panels, they, they look like solar panels. And they suck moisture out of the air. Why? They suck moisture out of the, you know, when you just walk down the street. You don't think there's water surrounding you, but there's water everywhere. These panels suck suck the water out the air, and you can use it for. Uh, you got to clean it, or I, this matter of fact, this thing might have filters in it. And everything it filters the water for you, and you can you can drink it, or you can you can just do different things with it. Now, why is that important? Because that's like renewable energy, things like that. Now you don't have to pump water from. You know, downtown, the city, the city water line and spending more money on that. That's free water coming to you from the atmosphere and you put it back in the atmosphere when you use it. But what I wanted to get out there is that these people didn't say, hmm, you see what this white person is doing? Not not just saying white people, but other whoever created it. They didn't say, hmm, look what they're doing. Let me just go try to copy that and do it better than them because I'm, I'm better than them. Yes, we can think we're better than somebody, but we have to use our creative mind. So 
We have to use the right side of our brain. I know they try to preach to us. We need to be all about science and math, which focuses black people on their left side, left hemisphere. Right. Because growing up, they want to focus everybody into the left and they really don't want they want to like make fun of people who want to do artsy things. It's a, it's a joke. It's, it's been made into a joke, but you have to use both together. So when you want to get into science, you have to say, what can I do that is different than what other people are doing? Not just other black people, other people, period. And we need innovation. And y'all people that work with kids, I need y'all to get that into the minds of these children because they are the ones who will drive some of this real innovation. Kids are the ones with all the good ideas, the ones that people want to laugh at. And by the time they hit high school, they've been laughed at so much that creativity has been suppressed. Now, the only thing they want to do is be a lawyer. They want to be a surgeon. They want to be these things that really can't have creativity. You can't be creative when you cut somebody's head open. You're doing brain surgery. There's no room for creativity there. You have to be precise and logical. You have to be yes or no. You have to be one or zero. It has to be straight logic when you're doing something like that. When you when, when you're being, uh, you know, certain things you you just can't be and you can't be creative with it. You have to go by the standards and the regulations of it. And that's where they push us instead of pushing us to do both. And then we find creativity at the same time as finding the science. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out, man. We need heavy creative innovation yo and this is people always say i don't want to preach at y'all you know i it's not preaching i'm just passing on a good word i guess that would be preaching whatever man it's nothing wrong with preaching if you're preaching the right thing so hey if i offend you if i offend you by saying the stuff i say about positive progression for black people then you, you ain't supposed to hear the message then, man. You shouldn't be offended that I'm trying to tell somebody that how ways where we could do things better. I'm sick of just seeing black people compete with other black people in hair, food, and clothing. We got to stop that. Speaking of clothing, something that went under the radar. I don't know if it went under the radar. Maybe y'all knew. Y'all know Christian, Christian Louboutin, Christian Louboutin, however you want to pronounce it, whether you fancy or not. He's a, he's a black man. I don't know if a lot of y'all knew that. He's a black man. He's a European. He, I mean, he lives in Europe or whatever. And he's the famous designer that you see the shoes with the red bottoms or whatever. And that's clearly a signature of that shoe. So he went up to the court and he said, yo, I'm looking for protection. I want to trademark this red bottom because this is a stamp. When you see a red bottom, you know that this is a Christian Louboutin shoe from very far away. This is a trademark. And that should be considered a trademark. But. They said, no, you cannot trademark that part of the sh- You can't trademark that. So now pretty much it's free for anybody to make a shoe and put a red bottom on it. Now, I don't think that if Gucci, if Gucci owned that shoe, I don't think they would have allowed that to be free for everybody to use. I don't think. Well, you know what? Clothing is a little bit different, though. You know what? Clothing is a little bit different. Because in clothing, people copy shit all the time. However, I think if Gucci, if if somebody was, um, if it was a possibility that somebody was able to make a whole lot of money with it, I think Gucci would be able to defend that in a way that they didn't let that black man defend his, 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 his trademark, which is that red bottom. Whatever. I know you don't care about that. That's still clothing. That still goes into the line of clothing. Now, I want to know. What y'all think about addiction? Because a lot of people, a lot of people try to argue that it's a disease. And you got another side of the argument saying it's a choice. So what do y'all think, man? Is it an addiction? Is it a choice? Um... Like I said, y'all can't. You can respond to me on SoundCloud. Hit, you know, just comment on the vi- on, on on SoundCloud, or I didn't delete Twitter. Y'all can hit the Twitter up, and when I get back on there, I'll. Uh, uh, I just deleted the stuff from my phone. When y'all, when y'all, when I get back on Twitter, if I get back on Twitter, or when I do, or whatever, 
I'll see it and we can discuss it because this addiction conversation is much larger than just a right now issue, you know. So what y'all th- I want to know what y'all think, you know, talk to me right now. Speak to the, speak into your phone. Let me know. I can hear you. I'll tell you what I think, because I'm not I'm not somebody that's just thinking about this in one dimension. Plus, I was somebody that dealt with substance abuse. And they call it substance abuse, but they should call it self abuse, because when you when you do substances, the the substance is not being abused. You are abusing yourself when you do substances, when you do substances in excess of whatever the recommended um, amount is. So it shouldn't be called substance abuse. It should be called personal abuse, really, by way of a drug or narcotic or whatever. But my quote unquote drug of choice was alcohol. Right. So it would be I'll just say, all right, so alcohol. So normally when you hear people talk about this addiction, disease versus choice, which is it? They normally say you made the choice to to get on. Um, you made the choice to do those drugs. Ain't nobody put that crack in your hand. Nobody put that dope in your veins. Nobody made you smoke that meth. Nobody made you drink that drink. Nobody. But see, they change. Excuse me. They change the argument. They change the argument into an argument of substance. But that's not the question. The question is: Is addiction a choice or a disease? Not is the substance a choice or disease. Nobody said crack is a disease. So what I say, I say, excuse, damn, I keep hitting the thing. I say it's not a disease. It's a disorder. Addiction itself is a disorder. It's a condition that you're, um, it's pretty much like a wiring of your brain. You understand? And this is something that I've been thinking for a long time. Not a long, I mean, it's since I've been studying myself, I've been thinking it for a long time. Because when you think of addiction, you think of drug use, you think of negative things. You don't think that people can be addicted, you don't, you know that people can be addicted to food, but when you think addiction, you don't think about that immediately. You immediately think of these substances that are negative in society. You're not thinking about a phone, somebody being addicted to Facebook, even though that's an addiction for some people. You don't think about that. You think about crack. So I say it's a disorder. It's a it's a thing that makes you desire to do to repeat the same thing that gave you a certain feeling. You can't tell me that something releasing a certain chemical in your body is a choice. It's not a choice. The substance was the choice. The addiction itself is not a choice. That's why when you see certain people get off of um, certain drugs, they just shift focus. They become addicted to NA. They go to NA meetings, which is Narcotics Anonymous, and they become addicted to it. They have to go constantly. They constantly talk about it. They constantly show up. They love it. It gives them the same rush that the drug did. That's why they have to go. People, people are like, I've been clean for 30 years. Normally, you would think, why the hell are you still going to NA? You're done. But they'll tell you. They'll tell you in there they are recovering addicts. They'll never say I used to be addicted. They'll say I'm an addict. I'm a recovering addict because it doesn't go away. Addiction itself does not go away. If you are wired for addiction. Then you will be an addict. It doesn't matter what the substance is that you're addicted to. You're an addict. Me. I wasn't addicted to anything. I was just abusing a substance, which was alcohol. That's why it, it wasn't something that, I, that there was just cravings for. I, I get in my head a lot. So I would be thinking about the thought of what people would expect from me when I go places. Anyway, so <clears throat> I would like to. T- so I, I, I read this book. Right. And this might this will probably be. So if, if you're not into science, you can. Turn uh, the joint off right here. I'm not going to read the book, but I'm, I'm going to give you a little piece out of the book. If you're not into this type of shit, then you know what I'm saying? Go ahead. You know, I appreciate you for listening. You know, go ahead about your business and uh, have a nice day and all the things that come with nice days. 
I appreciate you. For the people that care to hear a little bit more about why I'm going to make the case that addiction is a disorder and not a choice. This book is called Fundam. And this is a book I read in prison. Now, a lot of people, you don't have the time to sit and read the type of shit that a person that's in prison has the time to read. But this is just something, you know what I'm saying? I had time. So anyway, it's called The Fundamentals of Neural Network Modeling. As you know, in subtext, neuropsychology and cognitive neuroscience. Most people will not have the time to sit down and read it. And if they did, they would not have the time to sit down and read it enough times to understand it. Because this is a book from the MIT Press. MIT is the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They, they, they you know, it's like a, it's a textbook. All right. From a college, uh, uh, an Ivy League college. So I, w- I was into it. And um, and when they say the fundamentals of neural network modeling, they're pretty much this is like the basis of advanced artificial intelligence. Even though most of it is about neuroscience, it helps people who want to get into advanced, super advanced um, AI technology. This will help you when you read this book, it'll help you learn how to recreate what the brain is doing with the computer code. Now, I when I got this book, I didn't even know I wanted to get into computer coding. I just knew that I wanted to learn about the brain. And obviously, and uh, honestly, if I was out and free, I probably wouldn't have picked this book because I would have been able to read to it uh, through it a little bit. And I would have saw, OK, it's for computer people. But. Now that I had when I got it, I was like, whoa, I would have never come in contact with this information. So this is a very advanced book, very advanced. So you don't have to read it. You can just listen to what I'm saying. You can, you know, whatever. But you can read it, though. It's called The Fundamentals of Neural Network Modeling, Neuropsychology, the Neuropsychology and Cognitive Neuroscience. All right. Boom. I'll, I'll give you a, a little nugget from the book. I'll read it and then I'll explain what it's what it's saying. Modell and his colleagues have also reviewed this circuitry, this circuitry. They're talking about these parts of the brain. They emphasize, however, the similarity of of obsessive thoughts about drinking and obsessive compulsive disorder. What does that mean? That means the same thing in your brain that makes a person have OCD is the same thing in a person's brain that makes them obsess over a substance. They're talking about alcohol specifically because that's what the chapter is about. But they're saying OCD is controlled by the same part of the brain that addiction is controlled by. Okay. Now, these are all scientists here. Model. Okay. Model and his colleagues argued that the same frontal cortex, the dorsal medial thalamic circuit. Uh, implicated in OCD symptoms may also mediate obsessive thoughts about alcohol and alcohol dependent persons. They suggest that activity in this cortical thalamic loop is regulated by an inhibitory circuit that includes the NACC and ventral palladium. Now, NACC, that is the uh, that's the nucleus acubens. All right. That's that's super neural talk right there and neuroscience crap. But look, it's a part of the brain that controls both of these things. People look at OCD as if this is a disorder. It's called obsessive compulsive disorder. This thing is the same thing that controls the feeling of obsession about alcohol and drugs in general. It's obsession over a thing. It doesn't matter what that thing is. When people think of OCD, they think of positive. They think a person wants to keep everything clean. No, obsessive compulsive disorder is not about wanting to keep everything neat. It's about wanting to do everything the same way over and over again. It just happens to be that when you walk into a person with OCD, their house. It normally if they walked into it and it's clean, they want it to stay like that. But the people who we call hoarders, we call them hoarders. That's also a, that's OCD. Also, they are up state. They're obsessed with keeping the house the way it looks, the way it is. They don't have an attachment to the things in the house. They have an attachment to the way that it is. Obsessive compulsive disorder. Compulsive is having to do something over and over. 
having to experience something over and over again. All right. So like I said, if you're not into all this sciencey stuff, I appreciate you for listening. And, you know, but this is just interesting to me because a lot of people want to say addiction is a choice. You know why they say addiction is a choice? Because they don't know the science behind it. Not only do they not know the science, they're, they've never been uh, um, an abuser or an addict of any substance. Or they don't want to recognize the thing that they are an addict for because it's socially acceptable. You get me? So let me, let me, now, like I said, this is very, um, this is very sciencey, but this is the kind of shit I like though. So y'all know I got to get into it. All right. Inhibitory serotonin, oh, that's serotonin, 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 serotonergenic, man, let me go back. Inhibitory serotonergic, okay. Inputs from the dorsal raft nuclei, nuclei also modulate activity in these loops via input to the nucleus acubens. Okay. Now, even though I'm, I'm struggling with the word because of I'm trying to read it on the fly, and I told you I have issues reading, period. Inhibitory serotonin inputs. That's what that's saying. That means that serotonin is coming in from the dorsal raft nuclei. And, and it's blocking certain activity that it shouldn't be blocking. Okay. Ethanol intake acutely increases dopamine. See, they, they're using all these wild words. Dopaminergic. Dopaminergic activity in the nucleus acubens, reducing inhibition to the NACC ventral palladium circuit. The result of this combination of excite, excitation and inhibition is increased activity of the frontal thalamic circuit implicated in obsessions. You see how they switch from not not alcohol. It's just obsessions. Let me read that again. The result of this combination of excitation and inhibition is increased in activity in the frontal thalamic circuit implicated in obsessions. What does that mean? Let's break that down also. And like I said, work with me, y'all. Just stay with me. That means when the nucleus acubens, which is one part of the, it's one circuit. These are circuits, not different. You know, these are circuits. So the nucleus acubens part of the brain is trying to connect with the ventral palladium, right? And the ventral palladium wants to, wants to um, be in contact with the dorsal medial thalamus. But the connection between the nucleus acubens and the ventral palladium is it's being inhibited by serotonin. That serotonin is coming from the dorsal RAF nuclei, right? It's coming from there and it's making you obsessed with an activity. It's making you obsess over a thing, right? Some people will have more abnormal obsession with things than other people. That's hard wiring. That is disorder. That is more close to disease or dis-ease than it is with choice. You can't choose how your dorsal raft releases this inhibitory chemical we call serotonin. Now, I know I'm doing a lot. I know I'm doing a lot, y'all. But I'm just letting y'all know. In, in summation, addiction is not a choice. Addiction is a disorder. All right. Like I said, you have one part of your brain trying to be a normal person, trying to let you be a normal person and trying to uh, connect with another part of your brain in a normal fashion. But that normal circuitry is being blocked from interacting with his sister circuitry because the dorsal RAF nuclei wants to come through and shoot all kind of inhibitory signals to it. So it's like, imagine this. Let me break it down in different terms, right? Imagine. All right. Oh, y'all gonna love this analogy right here. Now imagine my man Stevie J, Hitman Stevie J from Love and Hip Hop. He wants to be with with Mimi and his family, right? He wants to be with Mimi and little Ava, and he wants to be a happy family with those two, right? Stevie J would be the nucleus acubens, right? Mimi would be the ventral palladium. You understand? And and he wants to be, you know, with he wants to connect with her on a normal level. 
But Jocelyn, Jocelyn is the dorsal wrath, nuclei. And her, her good loving or vagina, as they would say, <laughs> you understand, is the serotonin. It's the chemical inhibiting Stevie from making a normal connection with his family, which is the ventral palladium. His family is the ventral palladium. He's the nucleus acubens. And Jocelyn, which is symbolic for side vagina, Jocelyn is the inhibitory serotonin signal. And if you want to think about it, I mean, that's what vagina would be for real. Vagina would really be a rush of serotonin that makes you not be able to function correctly. <laughs> you understand? Because you feel too, you know. So that is an analogy for you. So just in case you didn't understand what I was saying when I when I used the um, neuro neuroscience neuro um, neurological words for it or neurological you know anatomical words or whatever you want to say, you can use it in terms of. One person wants to connect with another person, but another outside party or side chick, as they would call them, a side chick is inhibiting. They are stopping, prohibit, not prohibiting, inhibiting. Prohibiting is two different things. Prohibiting is power. Inhibiting is choice. The dorsal raft nuclei has the choice, but it's wired into the dorsal raft nuclei. It, that, that little circuit in your brain is not being told by anything, right? It's not being told by anything. Cause this is the thing. If you haven't, if you have this hardwired addiction in you, it's only a matter of what substance gets to you first. That's the thing. It's about what substance gets to you first. It's not about crack. It's not about weed. It's not about pills. It's not about, you know, heroin. It ain't about none of that. Because if you never are introduced to none of that, you won't be you won't be addicted to it. But you might be addicted to water. I knew a dude who, who when I was in boot, boot camp, he got water poisoning, not because the water was tainted. It's because he drank too much water and he flushed his system of all nutrients. You can be addicted to water and do that to yourself. You will be addicted to whatever you get that causes a little serotonin to be released. And then from now on, when that serotonin comes out, you're, you, you will be tricked into thinking. You, it's not tricked into thinking. You will crave, hard crave, like what a hard R. <laughs> you will crave the thing that gave you that. So that's why I say it's not the substance. It don't matter what the substance is. It only matters what gets to you. It only matters. Are you hard wired for it? The hard wiring comes in this circuitry right here. The dorsal raft, the nucleus acumens and the ventral palladium. And it's, it's, it's tied to the same thing as obsessive compulsive disorder, which everybody agrees is a disorder. Y'all like to argue with me. So I'm, this is what we're going to do. If you have an argument for me, show me the book. Because I'm not making this up. This is actually something that I thought anyway, but I didn't know the I didn't know the anatomical structures controlling it or physiological since we're talking about, you know, workings and chemicals. I didn't know the physiological structures that were controlling it or connections that were controlling it. But with this book and this is something that I highlighted in 2013, 2014, I had been had this information, but I never thought that it was a good time to, to splash people with it. But I keep on seeing people because, you know, the opioid thing is big right now. The opioid, what they call an opioid crisis. A lot of people ODing right now. It's happening all over the place. And I've been seeing a lot of people trying to have these long, lengthy arguments about you made the choice to do this. I don't, I don't feel bad for you. You don't have to feel bad for a person that's addicted, just like you don't have to feel bad for a person with cancer. But you also have to understand those people did not cause that wiring. Some people are predisposed to certain things. And these are conditions, not really diseases, not really, um, not really diseases, but they're conditions. You understand? They are state of beings. Cancer is a state. It's like it's a state that your cells are in. They don't have to be there, but that's the state they're in. You understand? Like that's that's the thing. And it's the same. It's not the same, but it's the state. Addiction is a state. It is the state that your circuitry is in that makes you crave things. 
And not just things, it makes you crave that thing that gave you that feeling. That now your 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 um your dorsal raft is just hitting you with stuff and is making you feel like you need this thing. That's called a craving. And if it's see, they call it a craving when it's socially acceptable. You understand? But they call it an addiction if it's a drug. That's the same thing, though. It's the exact same thing. And it's the same thing when you have OCD because it's controlled by the same exact thing. Me, I have OCD to a degree. You understand? Like I have OCD, meaning when I see a place in a certain state, right? I can like like let's say I can be somewhere, right? And I can stay for a week. When I leave, I can put that place back exactly the way it was when I got there. It don't matter if the shit was clean or not. Whatever condition it was in, I can put it back the same exact way. Now, some people might think that's just a photogenic memory. No, it's not. It's I feel like I have to. It's not like something I'm doing consciously. I just can I can if I'm I can pick something up, right? Walk away with it. If I want to put it back in the same exact spot, I can do it because the way things are mapped out to me in my mind, the way it's mapped out, I can put it exactly back in the same spot, the same inches from the front of the table to the back of the table. To Like oh, I can do it because that's just how I see stuff. So if I go into a hotel room that's completely clean, when I leave out of it, it's going to look exactly the way I put that when I came in there for the most part. Because like I said, it's only slight OCD. I don't, I don't feel like I won't sweat if it's not like that. But for the most part, when I walk into some shit, I can go in a, in a person's room and do all kind of shit. They will never know I was in there because I can put everything back the way I had, the way it was when, when I came in. That's something that I've been like that since I was little, a little kid. You understand? That's a form. That's OCD. That's what OCD does. OCD doesn't mean clean or dirty or nothing. It means you obsess over conditions. That's what it, that's just what it is. If I have something and somebody touches it and moves it, I will know immediately. It don't matter what it is. It could be a pen. It could be a piece of paper. It could be a desk. It could be anything. If the shit ain't in the same spot, I see. That's the first thing that happens to me. I see it immediately. That's why I probably would be a good editor. Like if I was editing like a um a book, magazine, articles, whatever like that. If if a word is not right, I have a hard time getting past it. You see what I'm saying? And that's 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 controlled by this same circuitry. And that could also point to why I was dealing with a substance abuse issue. It's controlled by the same thing. It's not a choice. It's a disorder. We call it OCD if it has to do with items in a room. But we want to call it a choice if it's a substance. And if it's a socially acceptable substance, we want to call it a craving. No. It's not that. All right. I told y'all I wasn't going to take up too much of your time. I just wanted to, you know what I'm saying? I had to get that off. I had to get that off. Some of y'all ain't going to care. You know, it is what it is. I just had to say it. I'll be brief with it. You know what I mean? Um. Like I told y'all, the book is called Fundamentals of Neural Network Modeling, uh, Neuropsychology and Cognitive Neuroscience. It comes from MIT Press. This is an MIT textbook. Uh, let's see what year. This this book is actually like if you if, if you are into science type shit like that, this book is from 98. If you're into science and stuff like that. And that's actually probably why I got the book for like the price I got it for. It was very cheap. You know, they got these little thing like Hamilton books that they, you know, you get these little things in jail and Hamilton books. You can order books for real cheap. And that's actually a great program. I'm sure anybody could do it, but they have those things floating around jail. And uh, man, this this thing goes this book goes into the the um the neural wiring of like the most interesting stuff. It talks about memory and. Y'all know how I feel, or y'all might not know how I feel about me. I have theories about memory. You know, they they go into different tests. If you want to, uh, you know, you you might want to put a child through a test and figure out, you know, what could be going on with them. They have, man, they just talk about so many different things, and they even talk about the history, the connection between primates 
it's just it's just an amazing book, yo. Like, let me read. Um, people people being in helplessness, like people who pretty much are in depression. It goes into that waking versus being asleep. You know, amnesia and, and memory. I talked about that. You know, it goes into schizophrenia, which is a very interesting portion of the book. You know, it talks about. It, it also talks about how like certain certain head injuries might not do anything to you except make you not follow rules. That's how that's how deep this like it's like you, you get a certain lesion in the brain and it does nothing but make you rebel against rules. That's it. Like that's very that's a very interesting thing, like. Cause they also talk about just these weird lead, like, cause I had a, I had a friend, you know, rest in peace, Sade, and she had a, a, a thing called meningitis. Meningitis is a thing that attacks like your spinal cord. I think it's, it's a virus. It could be a bacteria too, but it, what she had was a virus. And when they, they said when she was in the hospital, she couldn't speak English. She could only speak Spanish and she was not a Spanish, not that she could only speak Spanish, but she wouldn't speak. I guess when she did speak, it was only Spanish words coming out. That's how the brain, the brain is so like detailed and intricate. The smallest tweak can cause the strangest outcome. This book gets into that, man. If y'all listen, I'm telling you, man, you know, like I said, everybody don't have time to get into certain books like that. You know, you want to do the, the, the mainstream type books, whatever. That's cool. But there's things that, 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 man, if you just read, yo, like, like, cause you know, I'm a nerd and stuff. I'm not like a nerd. Like some of these, like I don't play video games and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't uh, watch uh, cartoons. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's, that's not the type of nerd I am. I'm the type of nerd that just like obsess over like shit like this. And I like try to connect it to my life and people I know's life and black people. And this stuff is just interesting to me, man. So I that's all I got for y'all, man. You know, uh, hit me up on, on SoundCloud. <laughs> I'm not even you can email me, you know, if you really want to talk to me that bad. <laughs> or the people that got my phone number, you can hit me up. You can email me at reg that's R E G podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about uh about this. Let me know what you think about this whole addiction choice or disease that's an interesting topic and i want to hear what y'all think about it peace out man